Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. spoken here on the extreme life of matt hardy presented to you exclusively by podcast heat and ad free shows i'm john alba of course joined by the man of the hour the spoken one himself mr matt hardy we're on location baby we are on location it's one of those uh it's one of those fridays one of those fridays you get to see matt and i do our thing together here and it's ask matt anything v2 yeah v2 uh Episode one of that was a lot of fun last time we did that. It seems like eons ago. It does. It does seem like a long, long time ago. But that just goes to show you how much good shit we're putting down here in the can, in the archive, on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Yes, sir. Every single Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we normally tell you to go ahead and leave your five-star review. That's the Cinco 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 thing yep. that we do, that gimmick. You know, that yes. Gimmick that we do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Always uh, make sure to leave us a five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five-star review. And you can still do that, and you should still do that, but we've had this contest going for uh, almost two months now. And we said if you entered, all, all you had to do was take a screenshot of your five-star review, send it to us at Matt Hardy Pod, and you'd be entered to win a special prize. That prize is this TNA. What a treasure. What a, what a treasure the winner will receive. A relic of years past. Yes. Uh, a broken essence might recognize Indeed. that championship. Yes. And uh, Matt, this, this title meant a lot to you. We did our Becoming Broken series. This was mm-hmm. a pivotal time in your career. Yes. And uh, a winner of your choosing yeah. is going to be taking home a signed, this, this exact signed belt. So This, one. Uh, this is the one. This is, in fact, the one? This is the title that I won as a good guy, and I became so obsessed over it, I became Big Money Matt to rewin it. We got literally hundreds and hundreds of submissions, and Matt picked one at random? Yes. And the winner is Matty P. Matty P! Congratulations, my man. 
Maddie P's been listening to the show since the start. I know that. Yeah, he's left several reviews, and we appreciate that. Always, uh, if you're up for leaving multiple uh, multiple reviews, please take a screenshot, send us all those. We want to see them all. We want to get all the five star ratings. We want to get all the single ratings. We want to get all the reviews because this is just the beginning. We're going to keep giving away stuff. Keep. Uh, posting your screenshots and keep leaving those five star reviews. Yes, so Matty P, slide into my DMs. Just hit me up. <laughs> I'll make sure that we get you this. And Matt, I want you to sign this thing on air for, for right, me so we can do see it. you do this. Open um, that up for me right here. Sure thing. I got it. I can do it. Here we go. I uh, sign these week in and week out. Yeah, you've done this a couple of times. Make sure our pins are good. And I'm going to hook you up, Matty P. There it is, Matt Hardy. I'm going to give you everything. V1. Big money. Matt. Get all those gimmicks in. And also, delete! Representing broken Matt Hardy. So uh, this is truly a collector's item. I've never put all my gimmicks on one title, so you're the first one to have it, Matty P. Take a look at that. That's the good stuff right there. Maddie, we're going to make sure that you get hooked up with this thing. Like I said, slide on into those DMs. Yeah, put this, should we put this uh, on the table still, Russ? Sure, yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to set this thing. And I, I also appreciate your name, Maddie. Yeah. Matt Palmer, the one I'm not sure if that was like just a, a previous essence of yours. Maybe Maddie P. Uh, Maybe. Possibly. It's That would be a hell of a story. You know, in wrestling, never say never. And also... <laughs> Let it play out. Let it play out indeed, guys. And that's a great point, Matt, because you're wearing your Matt Fact, Matt Fiction shirt. That's right. I'm wearing my spoken Matt Hardy gimmick. And if you keep sending us those five-star reviews, Matt and I are going to be doing a t-shirt giveaway next. Yes. So, I know we're selling a lot of gimmicks here, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but we're also giving away a yes, lot of gimmicks. that we are. And everybody loves getting stuff for free. That was a, that was a Matt Fact. Matt loves getting things for free. It wasn't Matt Fiction. It was a Matt Fact. Boxagimmicks.com if you just can't wait for that and you want to get that t-shirt on your back right now. That's what's up, guys. Boxagimmicks.com. Matt, this is Ask Matt Anything Volume 2. Let's not waste any more time. we got a limited time basis today. you got a very busy day for yes. AEW, so hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact. Matt covens his Tuesday night sleep. <laughs> As I text you at like midnight, I'm like, hey, Matt. Uh, uh, but, but, but I will say this. Tuesday is when I'm guaranteed my best sleep of the week. Because, uh, for instance, uh, I, I get in typically early on Tuesday nights or in the evening sometime. But I'm able to go to bed at like 11 o'clock or midnight and sleep till like 8 or 9. And that's unprecedented. That doesn't happen any other time. Because Thursday morning, you got me. I'm getting up first thing in the morning uh, before the sun rises to take a flight home. And then every day I'm at home, there's always a baby up. There's always a party up. There's always a scenario with these kids. And I mean, they're up late or up early. I never get that eight to feel great. And then during the weekends, myself and Jeff were on that final run. So uh, those uh, those days are pretty shut too. So I do. I covet my Tuesday night sleeps. Well, that is a great segue, my friend, because our first question comes from a longtime supporter of the podcast and the Hardy Boys, Rana. He asks, why aren't the Hardy Boys considering GCW tag team titles in their final run? I mean, who says we aren't? We may very well consider the GCW tag team titles. We are open to winning any tag team titles. What do you think about GCW? Uh, I, I think it's an interesting promotion. I think they've done a, a fantastic job of getting a lot of buzz on themselves. And uh, that, that's uh, part of the secret to success in, in this day and age. If you can get buzz on yourself and you can get people on social media talking about you, it can translate over to actual uh, ticket sales and making money, and it has for GCW. 
I, I like GCW. I like what they're doing, and it's cool seeing guys like Jeff Jarrett run, run on through there. And yes, uh, I, I enjoy seeing that. Uh, Tyler, and I think you're going to like this one. He says, "I love the Long Road Hardy Boys video you tweeted out recently." Yes. Are you a big Pearl Jam fan? And if so, what's your favorite song by them? I am a huge Pearl Jam fan. I would say historically, Pearl Jam is my favorite band. I would I would say my top three music groups would be Pearl Jam, Kings of Leon, and Public Enemy. Those are definitely uh, my, my three favorites of all time. Uh, Pearl Jam would most likely be number one. My favorite song is, is Corduroy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the lyrics in that song that I can relate to. So uh, Corduroy is my favorite Pearl Jam song. I think black is probably mine. I know that's like a generic thing to say. Black, black is up there as well. They have so many yeah. that are up there. They have so many amazing, great songs. And uh, it, it, especially, you know, when they came out with their first few albums, they were just like just making magic every single time they released out. I know you're a big uh, Smashing Pumpkins fan because of Bill Pumpkin, as, Bill Pumpkin, as, as yes. Danhausen said. So, yes. Uh, they're right up that, that whole period of grunge and early 90s alternative. That, that was huge. I was, I was a huge rap fan. Earlier on, until the whole grunge period, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, all, all those guys, uh, an, an amazing time, uh, truly a renaissance of, of music during that time. Pat Pitt wants to know, will we ever see another Monday Night Wars type feud again in pro wrestling? I feel like this is the closest thing we got to it with the NXT Dynamite stuff back when NXT was on Wednesdays. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, the, the Wednesday Night Wars was about as close as, as it will come. But it's just very much a different time. Like, the way people consume things now are very different. And television, you know, back then there was such a small amount of, of channels. And, and you know, the the older gentlemen who proclaim, like, oh, my God, we drew the big biggest numbers ever during that period. It's just a different time. It's a different era. And there's so much more competition. Besides there being thousands of channels, there's also Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. I mean, there's so many different platforms for entertainment uh, to consume. So pro wrestling is still very popular. It's it's in more of its niche right now. Uh, and, and I think the closest thing you're really going to get to a Monday Night War is just uh, hopefully Dynamite and... AW continuing to grow and, and try and challenge WWE in some some capacity. People who weren't alive during that era mm-hmm. or weren't watching during that era right. forget just how many people were watching the pro wrestling industry at that time. It was massive. It was outdrawing Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. which is unfathomable today. Yeah. And that's not disrespectful to any wrestling company. It's just... It's changed. It's just, it's just changed. I mean, there's just so many more options out there. So many different uh, programs to consume now. Uh, Dave McClay asks, who would Matt like to see induct the Hardy Boys into the WWE Hall of Fame? Let's talk about the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the story that Jeff shared about when right. he was gone. They wanted to bring him back and put him in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He declined because he wanted to go in with you. Right. Do you foresee yourself going into the Hall of Fame one day with Jeff? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very confident about that. And uh, I, I mean, I think that'd be fitting, uh, you know, and, and I, I think obviously we're a deserving team. And, uh, you know, it, Jeff would be deserving on his own. I think there's a lot of cases that could be made that I am very deserving on my own as well. A hundred percent, considering some of the people that are in there. So who am I kidding? I'm being I'm being very humble here. I, 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 got something. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I I could definitely go in on my own. Um, <laughs> so who would induct you? But but I just, I just want to say I feel like the most fitting person to induct us would be the guy who we learned the most from, who really helped us when we first started becoming a success in pro wrestling, and that would be Michael PSAs, wrestling daddy, wrestling daddy. Yeah, uh, there's I mean there's a, a lot of people that I think would be very 
If you went in, okay, if you went in individually and it wasn't Michael Hayes, mm-hmm. who would it be? Um, I could see it being uh, an MVP. I think an MVP would be, and, and, and excluding Jeff, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could obviously, I'm excluding Jeff, thinking, thinking out of the box. And, and, and Bray Wyatt would also be interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Put the fiend out there and just have him go, uh, uh, he's here. And then I come out for my speech. Let him in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? We're talking about Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt Hardy next week. Yes, and I'm hyped for that episode. That is going to be an awesome episode. Some stories that I promise you you've never heard. Um, that's going to be top notch. Uh, Matt M has got a few questions. Okay. These are good ones. Mm-hmm. It's a big ad free shows fan, is Matt M. All right. Says, have you ever given Rebby or your kids a friendly twist of fate on the bed? Uh, I have never given my kids a twist of fate on the bed yet. Um, I have given Rebby a twist of fate on the bed in the past, and, and that's ultimately what led to us having children. <laughs> yeah. It's a side effect of a twist of fate. Mm. Children. Yeah. A gaggle of children. Yeah. The uh, birth cycle is about to be broken. <laughs> and uh, Okay. Uh, you know, Randy Orton's giving his kids RKO's all the time. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, they're, they're a little older. They're getting to that, that point where uh, Ma- Maxwell and Wolf are going to be ready for them in the next year. Next are, are any months. of them doing swantons into the pool yet? Uh, no, they're, they're, they're not doing swantons. They're still a little hesitant about diving yet, but they, I'm very proud of their, their swimming skills. They both can swim pretty well. Okay. Uh, Matt also wants to know, how did the King of the Ring 95 Royal Guards role come together? That's an interesting, uh, interesting question. I actually, I'm so glad that we are addressing this subject because there's something I, I want to put up. We get there. asked about a lot. I, I'm sure. But... We ended up getting that gig. They told us, like, hey, we need you to come up a day early. We're booked for the televisions after to the pay-per-view. And we have a, a role for you on the show. And we're like, oh, my God, are they going to have us, like, wrestle or do a dark match? This is so cool. And then we got up there, and they had these big jester outfits, right? And they're, like, built for big – there were big muscle bodybuilder guys that did it the, the previous years. So they were, like, baggy on us and loose, which was so funny. And Jeff and I found so much comedy in that. And then uh, we went out, we obviously did the doors. I know I had an earpiece in, and they would say, open the door, close the door. The directions were very simple. I just had to listen to the earpiece. And I remember it was kind of staticky. And there was one point where I remember opening a door, and somebody from the high, it was in Philadelphia, if memory serves me correct, and someone threw a, a drink down, like a, a fountain drink, and it was just packed with ice and hard as a rock and hit me in the head. And I remember it almost knocked me unconscious. And I remember they just wanted us to be like very stoic. Very stoic, yeah. very grim. Don't change facial expressions. And I remember I hit my knees were like well, and I was about to like pass out and fall. And I remember Jeff going, <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to, all that I could do to regain, you know, just like my composure and just try and remain stoic and keep a straight face. So that that was my biggest uh, biggest uh, laughable moment about that. Now, I am not sure. That when Ahmed came out and knocked those two guys down, that that was us. You got asked about that. He says, any memories of the wonderfully comic Ahmed Johnson bat out of hell entrance? I I don't think that was us. What I would like to do is like go back to the actual King of the Ring that we did this at, which I want to say it was 95. It was the one that Mabel won. I know Mabel won this King of the Ring. but I I would like someone to watch it from beginning to end and see if this happens actually during this pay per view. Uh, see if that's when we, get, you know, the, the the guardsmen get knocked down because I don't think it was us. I think it was someone else. And people just say, "Oh, the Hardys did that." It had to be the Hardys taking bumps. So I, I don't think it was us. So you but don't have any recollection of that. I, I don't. So my memory could serve me, you know, wrong. It does sometimes. I have uh, taken a lot of chair shots and a lot of bumps. Uh, so so I I don't think that was us. Okay. 
Someone might could fact check me and figure that out. We can figure out if this is mad fact or mad fiction. Because my, my gut instinct tells me it is mad fiction. I almost wore that shirt too. That would have been a little too meta for me. It's all right. I, I, brought, I brought a couple alternatives, so okay, okay. I could have switched it up. Okay. Uh, Derek Trum asks, AEW does a lot of trio matches. Yes. Do you believe a trio's title is the direction to go? And who would you and Jeff choose as a third if you went on a trio's run? Ooh. I think that would be a great way to extend the longevity of the yeah. Hardy Boys. Yeah. To take up a third Hardy Boy, if you will, an honorary Hardy. Yeah. I love trios titles. I love trios matches. I think if AEW were to bring right. in trios titles, it would be fantastic for the tag division. Uh, that's a really interesting question. The first person I feel like that kind of pops in my mind is uh, is someone that Jeff will be facing tonight, uh, and that would be Darby Allen. I feel like the team of Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Darby Allen would be a be a hell of a combo. That'd be a hell of a, a six man tag. And and also now that you say that, here's a team I would love to see at some point in AEW. I would love to see the team of Broken Matt, along with Brother Nero, and Bray Wyatt in some capacity. I think that'd be a hell of a six man trios tag team. If not Danhausen. Yeah, Dan Danhausen would be entertaining. He would be super entertaining. <laughs> I, I'm Darby's the obvious one. I would say Dante Martin. If not, especially with Darius. Oh yeah, right now that, that's a, a that's a great call. Dante would be very Dante good, yeah. can take some of those spot monkey addiction spots away from Jeff, help him heal up a little <laughs> right. bit. Right, that'd be a good fit, man. Yeah, I, that, that's a very good call. Also, someone else. It depended on uh, you know what what page they were on with the elite guys. I, I would love to do. Uh, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Kenny Omega as a six-man tag, too. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, do you like trios titles? Do you like the idea of that? Yeah, I do. I like the idea of that. I, once again, I think trios titles and trios wrestling, having the six-man tags is just like a tag team match. It allows you to do uh, interesting spots that are, are, are innovative and aren't always done, so it kind of puts a fresh spin on pro wrestling. I feel like trios titles and trios matches got a, a renaissance in this indie wrestling era that we're in. We see a lot more indie promotions doing mm -hmm. stuff. I feel like that was kind of inspired by like Chikara a little bit and New Japan, and that influence has seeped its way into mainstream. So I would love to see AW do it. Yep. The, the talent is certainly there. Uh, Devin Dowling says, Mr. Hardy, I've been loving your work with Jeff and the Bucks on BTE, which, uh, by the way, this past week, uh, a confrontation in their RV. Took a little bit more of a serious turn. Yeah, certainly did. Uh, yeah, get, getting getting a little more heated, you know. And if you watch that segment all the way through, you saw at the very end. I told Jeff, I, said, I think we've almost pulled it out of them. You know, we want the Bucks to be at their very best whenever we face them. We want this modern dream match to be special. And uh, once we whip the Bucks' ass, we want them to have no excuses and and, and know that we're at their, at their best. So that's what we're trying to pull out of them. He says, what was your thought on BTE when the Bucks first approached you with the idea of having a skit on their show, or did you ask to be on it? I, I was very familiar with being the elite with BTE before I appeared on it, so I, I knew that's what they did, and I think it's a brilliant way to uh, really add a, a supplemental story into whatever angles or stories you're telling. So, no, I was, I was more than happy to, to be on it, and I just want to say we just, almost like uh, we had ESP, like... We, we both knew that I was going to be on it, you know, whenever I was there from day one. Another ad free shows fans, uh, Yambag Jones is a cool question here. Okay. Hardys versus Young Bucks in either a Ultimate X match, Inferno mm -hmm. match, or a 60-minute Iron Man match. You got to pick one. So Ultimate X, 60-minute Iron Man, or an Inferno match. I would say a 60-minute Iron Man match. I agree match. with that entirely. Yeah. I, I think we could tear it down in a 60-minute Iron match. 60-minute Iron Man once match. Once Upon a Time, maybe Ultimate X. But I think with the way styles have changed and your mm -hmm. emphasis on storytelling in a mm -hmm. match, and they are 
people knock the Bucks all the time, but I think they are just such tremendous long form storytellers. Oh, they are. They're they're great. I mean, there's there's no there's no uh, debating that. There's no disputing that. I mean, they they are going to get a lot of hatred because of who they are and where they come from and their background, but they really are. They're the they're the best tag team going today. I mean, it, currently. You know, I mean, I think myself and Jeff, we kind of we're in a different category because we've been around a lot longer than them. We're in a different category than FTR, but FTR right now are it, are really pushing them, you know, to be that 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 new style of the the it modern tag team right now, which is is interesting because they have such different styles. It's like FTR is like a Bret Hart style uh, uh, tag team, and the Bucks are like a Shawn Michaels style tag team. I'm going to be doing a watch along with Dax Harwood on Sunday. Of his match oh, with yeah, Cash Wheeler. Oh, yeah, that's very cool, yeah. Is there anything you would like me to tell him from Hardy to FTR? Uh, we're excited to mix it up with those guys okay. again. And I can't wait to uh, just ask him what finish he wants to use in, in their tag <laughs> matches coming up because I can't wait to kick out of it. <laughs> Shout out to Scott Hall. It is not show friends. It's show business. That's it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Brad asks, what's tougher on the body, a TLC match or doing meet and greets for six hours at the old ECW <laughs> arena? They're, uh, they're, pretty, uh, they're pretty equal. Uh, I would take it maybe he was there at the ECW arena because that uh, signing was six hours. It was insane. Uh, I got to say, just uh, being there for six hours and signing autographs and taking pictures, it's it's nice to do that. And I have to take bumps off 12-foot ladders through three tables and whatnot. So uh, definitely it's more painful to be in a TLC match. But uh, I enjoy doing these autograph sessions. And I really enjoy mingling with the fans, even if it's long. The toughest thing for me is that I try and stay uh, mentally on the whole while because I want to give everyone a good experience. It's real easy to get burnt out mentally and kind of like emotionally during those times because it's so long and you have to be so interactive interactive with people for so long. I just, uh, I try and dig deep to pull out the energy to, to stay emotionally on and give everyone a good experience. It's really important to me because I know if my favorite wrestler, when I was uh, a young fan, was really kind and nice to me and very friendly, like I would be a, a fan of theirs for life. Matt S. has a fun one here. And I'm very curious to hear your answer. Arn Anderson and Conrad Thompson started a big controversy over on the Ad Free Shows Network. All right. And he would like you to weigh in on this Double controversy. A. Arn said that cheese does not belong on a hamburger. <laughs> he said bacon is the only condiment that should be on a burger. You can only choose one. So the big question is, does Matt have a cheeseburger or a hamburger with bacon? I'll be honest. If I had to select between one of those, and it was like liver die, if you don't choose one of these, I would I would choose the cheese. I would go with the queso. Um, but I'm okay with uh, bacon on burgers. I rarely eat hamburgers now, just because I'm older. My metabolism is so much slower, and I have to like watch what I eat. But uh, of those two, I would pick a cheeseburger. But hell, man, I'm from North Carolina, and I'm a I'm an old uh, old country boy. Put it put it all in there, man. I'll eat it all. 
Put lettuce, put tomato, put onions, put mushrooms, put bacon, put cheese. I'll eat it all. There's only one thing that's not going on that hamburger. Oh, you know what that is. Matt fact, Matt strongly dislikes mustard. Ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, Aiden S., have you any parenting advice? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my biggest parenting advice would be to just try and be as present in every moment with your children as you can, especially because uh, time flies by so so quickly with them. And, and be patient with them. I, I feel like that is one thing that I excel in, being patient with my children. I remember that they're very young and they're going to make mistakes, but I try to be patient with them. I try and explain to them things that they do wrong, how to, how to do things better, how to not make those same mistakes again. And just... Uh, just genuinely love your children as much as as much as you can, because I feel like it's very important for uh, a young child to to be loved. I think that really resonated last week, coming off the Owen Hart episode. Mm-hmm. You were the part, especially when you had the quasi dog tags of yeah, your family. Yeah, tags on my bag. Yeah. Um, listening back to the Owen Hart episode, did that really sit with you throughout the week? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, Owen. Being such a family man and always wanting to get back to his kids and his wife and his family, I mean, that, that really that really has a hold on me because that's, that's the position I find myself in, in in life right now. And I look at those tags every time I'm away on the road, like I just, I, I got to make it back home to my family. That's that's important. It's it's my job to see those kids through. You know, I, ha- I have to get them to where they can take care of themselves. And, you know, that's, I'm not putting a date like they each have to be 18 or 21 or whatever, but it's, it's my job. And my responsibility and my obligation to see those kids through and and shape them into good human beings. Christoph Hankerson says, I know you've mentioned in the past that you grew up loving baseball and wanted to be a pro baseball player before you shifted towards wrestling. Right. Who was your favorite baseball player as a kid? Uh, Del Murphy. Del Murphy. Del Murphy was, was our guy, both Jeff and I. You know, he was... The, the home run king at that time and uh, was a big deal. Atlanta Braves was our first favorite baseball team because it was the closest big city to us at that time. So, uh, yeah, Del Murphy. I love that. 80s baseball, 90s baseball, early 2000s baseball. That's my jam. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, Ray J's World says, What do you think of Cody Rhodes' return to WWE the same way you and Jeff returned to WWE at WrestleMania? And uh, your thoughts on Cody being allowed to bring his American Nightmare gimmick. You got to kind of do the same with the Broken Woken gimmick. Uh, I loved Cody's return to WrestleMania. I thought it was executed perfectly. Uh, I thought that they had an amazing match. I know I touched on it before, but, you know, very happy for Cody. And once again, it's it's one of those things where I feel like in wrestling, you work with people and you switch and you're in different companies. But it's just like once you're with someone, they can be gone away for three years, five years, whatever. And then once you work with them again, it's just like just the same. And I'm sure there was a lot of that when he stepped back into the WWE dressing room and when he went worked with Seth Rollins. But I love the presentation and I'm so glad they kept the version of Cody that we got on AEW because I, th- I think that is obviously where he has found his, his most success. And for that version to show up it's a great statement that, like, you know, Vince and the powers that be really got, this is why it's over, let's keep him like this, and let's let, let him keep doing his jam. The one issue I had with his AEW booking, uh-huh. and it's self-inflicted, was that he took himself out of the title picture. Yeah, that, that yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. And I don't know if that was just him trying to be unselfish because of the position he was in as an EVP, where he was, you know, he was... Uh, part of management you know so I, I do agree he, he's such 
a big player in pro wrestling. You don't want to take yourself off the table like that because it really limits what you can do, especially from options in, in storytelling. And it's clear that when he does, because it's not a if, in my opinion, it's when he wins the WWE Championship, it's going to be a big moment. Yeah. And a great way for his journey to come full circle. Yep, especially with the, the backstory of his dad never winning the title and that that's what he... He has set as his goal. That is like his destiny to win the title that his dad couldn't win. So it's a great story, too. Uh, Eddie S. Matt, who do you have on your Mount Rushmore of tag teams? Ooh, what a question. What a question. Um, I, I think the first tag team, just uh, known as like the most dominant tag team ever, uh, would be the Road Warriors. I have to put them on there. And then... Um, Freebirds? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I I uh, I I have a lot of love for Tolly and Orin too. I think they were very special. Also, the Midnight Express was very special. So there's a couple different versions of that too. But it, here's who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the Road Warriors, often looked at as the greatest tag team of all time because that's all they did was tag team wrestling. Um, and then I'm going to say Tolly and Arn, the Brain Busters, because I just I thought they were so dominant throughout their period with the Four Horsemen, and they they brought a very special style, a technical style for hills that was like unmatched. Uh, I feel like I have to go with the Dudleys because they're so decorated as well. I think the Dudleys are up there, and then uh, just considering what we're doing now here to cement our legacy in AAW, I'm going to have to be biased and also go with the Hardys. I dig it. Uh, Michael Gallagher says, "Hey Matt, what's your favorite road tradition?" <sighs> Uh, that's a that's a that's a great question. Uh, this is something I've been doing for, God, a couple of decades, I would guess. Like, uh, as long as there's been like music on your mobile devices, at least uh, whatever you're plugging in, maybe 15 years. I don't know how, however long that's been. Sometimes I get lost in time whenever it comes to technology. Uh, I will always have a playlist. I will have like a, a current favorite song that will be on my playlist. And every time I go on the road to make a road trip, and I plug in my phone and my mobile devices is. Uh, providing the music for me. There'll be a, a top song. I'll go on shuffle, but I'll start with one song, whatever my favorite song is at that time. Hmm. So even as of now, it is it is Wonderful Life. Are you familiar with that song? No. It is uh, that That is my song, and, and that'll be the first song that I'll play every day. This morning, I went to the gym. Uh, yesterday, whenever we got in the rental car and we were driving over here, Wonderful Life starts the loop. Whenever I put my headphones on and I go to the gym to do cardio in the morning, Wonderful Light starts it. Whatever my favorite song is, current favorite song at that time. I love that, man. Music's, music talks to you, right? Uh -huh. Like, and, and for whatever your emotion is, whatever your feeling is at that time, uh, when music talks to you, there's nothing better. There's genuinely nothing better. No, that, there, there, there really is not. And even when you said that, if anybody does want to follow and I'll tell you where, let me be honest. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard this song was a tribute video to The Sopranos. And I realized I'd mm -hmm. seen one before for Sins of Anarchy that had this song on it. And then like I downloaded it like a couple months ago. It's Wonderful Life by Smith and Burroughs. Okay. So you guys check it out. It's a, it's a good song. And uh, and Rebby loved it too. Rebby downloaded it. She she liked it so much after I played it for her. You know how much shit I got for not being familiar with The Walking Dead after last week? Oh, yeah? Yeah. So. Interesting. Okay. Hair, pop culture. I'm really struggling. So, so, so when, whenever it came to pop culture, you must have been like uh, Rick Grimes uh, whenever people were coming at you about not knowing The Walking Dead. I just wanted it over. <laughs> I know Rick Grimes is saying. Yeah. I know that. That was my favorite, that was my favorite line, though. After Shane kind of half-assed turned Hill, who was like his best friend yes. and cop buddy throughout the beginning of the show, and he was like out of control, and he was uh, a psychopath. Uh, whenever he ended up 
dying. That's what Rick said. Rick said, I just wanted it over. My uh, buddy JT popped big at you referring to WWE as Alexander. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great analogy. Uh, speaking of WWE, the notorious GAV uh, says, have you noticed Ezekiel in WWE? He's wearing a zipper on his trunks. Is that normal in wrestling? Oh, my. Uh, I, I don't think that is uh, a, a standard thing. I don't think that is commonplace at all. Uh, as far as Ezekiel goes, I just know it is the it's the long lost brother yes. of Elias, right? So is, is are people in the WWE are they uh, do, do we walk with you Ezekiel speak now? with Zeke? Oh, you speak with Zeke is what he's doing. Yes. Okay, all right, good. Well, I'm, I'm I hope the brothers can get back together. Maybe we can face them in a, a tag team <laughs> match one day. I don't know if you've paid any attention to this gimmick. Normally, this is the kind of thing I'd be like rolling my eyes over. Yeah. But when you have the right talent doing it, yeah, it's it's half has gotten over, right? It very people are people are digging it. Well, right? it's him and Kevin Owens, yeah. and those are two guys when they commit all the way. Ken, Ken Owens joined the scene too. Ken right? Owens, yes. I I, I, did, I haven't seen this. I haven't watched anything currently, but I, I did see that on social media. I feel like this kind of thing is something that would have totally fit in the Broken Matt era, where uh, your yeah. essence of the long lost Hardy Boy that we never <laughs> met, uh, right? Mike, yeah. Michael Hardy, <laughs> right? You know, so. Something to think about. Uh, He asks also, who would win in a Hardy Compound cinematic match between you and BFW? Now, are you familiar with BFW? No, but I would murder BFW. Okay, never mind then. Who is BFW? Uh, He's he's a pro wrestling interviewer. Okay. Uh, okay. BFW, I would murder you. Somebody clip it. BFW, (laughs) I would murder you. What's the worst match you've ever wrestled? Is it with Steve Blackman? (laughs) Uh, no, I, no, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's funny thinking about this. I'll take one of the most chaotic matches ever. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this was my worst match ever. And, uh, especially on a, on a, on a big platform. Whenever we went to crash on the expedition of gold, right? And it was broken Matt and brother Nero. We were having a singles match with the champions at the time, which I think was super crazy and psychosis, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So we had a match with these guys, and we'd interact with them, and they both speak English to a degree, right? So we'd put together a match with them, and one match, we had ideas of what we're going to do, and it was it sounded pretty good, and we were excited for it. So one match before we go out, they changed the card, and it's the Hardys versus psychosis and super crazy, and then two other. Mexican teams yes. that, that uh, only spoke Spanish. Mm. So they just said, oh, we'll call in the ring. And we're like, what? Like, you know, our Spanish isn't really like up to par. So like we, we had the match. And I just remember for us, considering the other match we had, I remember we were so excited about that. And we thought it was going to be so good because it was a huge crowd. And and this match ended up being a, dis- a disappointment because like we really didn't get to highlight Broken Matt, Brother Nero spots. And, and I just don't feel like the match was what it should have been for us being there because we were so hot at the time. So in some ways... Even though the match wasn't terrible because they did a lot of their stuff, I feel like that was our most poorly performed match. What's your worst singles match? Uh, th- that would definitely be some of the ones on the independent scenes, just where I work with like Super Green or new guys. Sure. There's probably there's probably a couple. Do you of like those. that challenge though of of working with guys that are coming up and trying to see? Oh, maybe this person has something. Maybe they don't. Some sometimes, yeah. No. Sometimes I do. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, if you're there, like as the the draw on a show and you're, you're like the marquee star that people pay to see or whatever, I feel like you need to provide a good match and, and make sure they get their money's worth. And and if you're in there with someone who is just 
inexperienced and you can't quite give them what they're hoping for. I feel like it's a bit of a letdown. So that's one thing I've always tried to stress. And I, I learned a lot of this like earlier on, like when we were still doing indies as well as starting with WWE when we first signed developmental deals. I learned that like, hey, we've got to, I've got to work against someone who is actually good and, and kind of on my level because we have to provide a good match. Courtney Franks asks, recently Triple H retired. I want to know what is your favorite Triple H moment of all time? Mm. So moment, match, whatever is yeah. your favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, had, I had a lot of fun when we did the thing where it was uh, Triple H, Sean, Punk, and myself and Jeff at the Survivor Series match where we had a clean sweep of everybody else. That, that was really, really fun. One of my favorite periods of Triple H was like when he did the deal where he uh, – supposedly went through Las Vegas and got married to Stephanie. Mm. And then they started that whole thing with the uh, McMahon-Helmsley era, and she joined them. And, and they were really good running the show. I thought it was very creative and new and fresh, and, and I love that version of Triple H. What is the best Triple H theme song? Mm. It's all about the game and how you play it. That's probably one I would go with. The game. Yeah. I don't know, man. My time was such a jam. You know, the one right, when, right before the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Evolution theme song is a banger. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lemmy fucking ruled. Motorhead the, was awesome. Yeah, the, 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 the game just is the first one that comes yeah. to mind whenever I think about Triple yeah. H. So that, that probably was the most impactful one. Do you remember his pop at the Garden when he came back? From I do. His, how'd yep. that compare to some of the pops that you've been around? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it, was, it was massive. I mean, it, it, people were super excited for him. It, it, was a, it was a great moment. Let's see here. Uh, we've got, here's a fun one from Jeff. Why do women wear stockings or pantyhose as part of their ring gear, but guys don't? Well, I think women are trying to be a lot more womanly. Uh, you know, and I think it just kind of goes with their fashion. I, I think they... they I, I, I still think women in pro wrestling need to have this uh, very special look. They want to look as good as possible. And it's still, even though they're combatants and they can't have like more serious matches and they can be like good wrestlers, I think they still, there's an element of they need to look sexy and attractive. And, and that's not me being like, uh, I'm a man, there are women. I just think that's something that the fans enjoy, especially uh, male fans. First off, it's not true because you talked about GCW before. Have you yeah. ever seen Effie? I I have I don't think I don't think I've ever met him but I I have seen yeah Effie is my dude he he, he wears stockings right he wears yep and he is so fantastic mm-hmm. you and Effie would hit it off because you're very forward thinking mm-hmm. and I feel like he is very much that way I mean I, I I I've I've heard a lot about yeah. him I know he's he's very popular at this yes. point yes uh, Jeff Jarrett likes to uh, poke fun at me for being such a big Effie fan <laughs> because he and Effie don't get along right. very well but I'm just saying. Jeff Jarrett and Effie together can put together that tag team Jeffy that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I do know there was a great clip, right, where Jarrett hit him over the head with a guitar and it just landed on his head. And he got fired up. up and then he like hit him with a stroke, I think. Yep. It was a good, good spot. It was a good was, spot, Double J. I believe that was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Okay. Let me ask you this. Any Hammerstein Ballroom memories? My, my biggest and, and maybe favorite memory of that point is when I rejoined Jeff in, in TNA. I showed up there in Hammerstein and uh, came out in the Stronger, uh, Stronger Than Death shirt. And we had worked out an agreement where I could just do like per appearance. And we refer- reformed the Hardys there. And uh, it was a, a great uh, a great ovation. And it was it was a really special moment just hooking back up with Jeff again and teaming again. We've had a lot of this through the years, which is cool. Uh, Ryan wants to know, what is your favorite vacation place and why? 
My what's a vacation? Yeah, what's a vacation? <laughs> now every single second of my day is accounted for, Ryan. Uh, my the my favorite vacation of all time, and and I and I want to get back there one day and take everyone, take the whole family. Uh, was Easter Island, and I'm sure I've probably, you know, uh, talked about this until it makes people sick, you know, but Easter Island is the most magical place on earth. And we had such a great time there. It was myself, Rebby, and Maxwell. And there's such a magical feeling uh, to all the, the Moais that you see all over the all over the island. And it's just like you would jump in a car there and you just kind of drive and you explore and just stuff is out there. And it's like there's there's not really like security uh, watching over it. And even as you drive down the roads, there's like not really policemen. There's, there's animals walking through the roads. It's almost like you go back in time to a much easier, simpler day. But like when you see the Moai and you see some of the beaches and, and the cliffs and we had a couple ate at some of the local restaurants and had the most amazing food and fish. It was just such a, a magical trip. And I, I really covet, I'm using the word covet a lot today. I really do. I, I covet uh, an opportunity to return with my entire family. Officer CB wants to know what generation of video games do you like to play and why? <laughs> well, uh, my, my first jam was the Atari 2600. Classic. Uh, and it's, it's so funny how many of these games I've like introduced to my wife and then also uh, the, the kids now, and they're like, oh, my God, these games yeah, are so boring. The aesthetic of the Hardy household, <laughs> yeah. though, is freaking incredible with some yeah. of those retro games yeah. and like, all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember back in the day, you know, like uh, Pit, Pitfall is, is one of my favorites back in the day. But then I, I, I grew to love the uh, Super Nintendo when it first came out, too, as well. Like, you know, there's like the original and classic Super Mario Brothers, which once in a while, Max and Wolfie will still play and go like, this was my game. This was my jam. You know, when I first really got into the Super Nintendo stuff when I was a, a young teenager. I thought I saw one of the gaggle of kids. I forget who. It might have been Barty. was wearing uh-huh. a Mario and Luigi. Yeah, yeah, he uh, does. He has Mario and Luigi shoes. There, there was a point where my wife built... Uh, Maxwell and Wolfie, an entire Mar- uh, Super Mario Brothers themed room. Oh, that's awesome! And then once they became Minecraft fans, no, she she Minecraft. changed it to Minecraft. It's <laughs> like she just she loves to yeah. keep things fresh and change things up. Who is the Mario of the Hardy Boys, and who is the Luigi of the Hardy Boys? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I would probably say if, if if you look at it just on the surface, uh, people would say Jeff is Mario. And I would be the Luigi. Yeah. Just because they would say like... Uh, Luigi's you know, the secret sauce of the... Uh... Yeah. But but then like in, 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 in the big scheme of things, whoever really is there to run the show and keep the things moving in the correct direction, that makes me the Mario and he's the Luigi. He's just the, the rock yeah. star. I feel like... He does all that, the his business. I feel like Luigi's doing all the booking, so... <laughs> I'm not sure if Mario's... I think he's just a... We'll see. Spot monkey. Who likes I like red better than green anyway. That's fair. Uh, Vigo asks, what's your favorite hip-hop album of all time? Um, Bel Biv DeVoe. Okay. With uh, Poison and Do Me. Okay. I thought it was me. How'd you feel about the rap song, Using Your Name? I mean, there, there's a ton of them. It's yeah. crazy how so many people use, like, Matt Hardy in, in their lyrics and in their titles and, and Jeff Hardy and just Hardy Boys. I mean, there there's literally hundreds of them. You know, all these SoundCloud artist and, and whatnot um it's cool though especially the matt hardy 999 song that became super popular you know and like i'm only mentioning it one time but it, it's so crazy that someone was willing to kind of give me the nod and uh you know respect me in that way it was very 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 cool afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental models and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. Uh, John wants to know, prior to the creation of the Broken Mac character, were there any other character ideas you thought up? And if so, what were they? And you can only tell us if you're not going to use them in the future because he doesn't want any spoilers. Yeah, I mean, something that I, I kind of played around with and I feel like I hadn't really got my creative feet underneath me as much as I would like to was doing a character that was like uh, full of duality. Like I did a couple of vignettes like of the Angelic Diablo, but I, I feel like if I did it now, I could make it a lot better. I would love to have a character... And in some ways, it's almost like a Punisher character, you know, that is like torn, who like, you know, ultimately wants what is good for everyone else, but then like has this terrible, like vicious mean streak and almost easy, they can turn to the devil. So like the Angelic Diablo had the whole name behind it, obviously, like this guy's an angel, he can be the best of the best, and then he's also a devil, the worst of the worst. So I, I would love to, I would have loved to have tried that later on, like have a character with this really magnificent duality. You talked about Randy Orton a couple weeks ago here on mm -hmm. The Extreme Life. You said, quote me, I think Randy Orton is fucking great. Yes. Brandon Arthur <laughs> asks, what are your favorite moments of working with Randy Orton? And should he be the one to beat Flair and Cena's world title record? Uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely think Randy's a good candidate for that. Uh, you know, he, I think he's going to be a WWE lifer, obviously. And uh, for him to be the one that has held the most championships, I, I would totally be good with that. And, and once again, I, I, I'm a huge fan of his work. I'm a huge fan of, of his style of work. You know, it's a throwback to yesteryear, but it also just means so much. And he, he can do a lot of cool things because he's still athletic and he's also very creative in, in the things he does. But he just does the little things so well. And, you know, me, I always talk about how, you know, the devil is in the details. And I think Randy is, is great at that. And he's very believable in what he does with his character, especially when he's being a hill. He's so good at being a psychopath. Like, Jay Briscoe's another one that stands out. He is so good when he's in character. Like, he looks like this thug gangster from the street who would just, like, whip anybody's ass in the world, you know, that you, you don't want to fuck with him. And Randy has that same vibe. He's very, very believable in what he does. Do you have a favorite moment from him? Um, uh, Whether I, you worked with him or yeah, just a general favorite Randy Orton moment? Yeah, I mean... I, I, I I loved the stuff I even did at the end. Like in that day when I was initially there before they had discovered I wasn't going to resound, we were going to have uh, a, a, over a two segment, maybe even three segment main event match. And I was going to end up putting him through a table because there was going to be no DQ and I was going to be wearing a neck brace. And, and I, I felt like that had been great. But I did enjoy that time at the very end. And like if I was going to get written off WWE TV by anybody, I was uh, honored to be written off working with Randy Orton. My favorite Orton work is his stuff they did with Christian mm. and mm -hmm. the one more match feud that they had in 2011. Right. It's the only time a DQ finish where someone got kicked in the balls has ever gone over in a right. building. And the image of Jay 
holding the title while also clutching his testicles is iconic, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, for the record, I think Charlotte Flair is going to be the one that breaks Rick and John Cena. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, but but I feel like you're gonna you're still gonna have to keep them in separate categories. I mean, she will be the greatest women's champion, but who will ultimately be the greatest men's champion? Is she as good as people say she is? I, I think Ashley. I think Charlotte is is very talented. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of her most recent stuff. I heard very good things about her last match with Ronda Rousey. Yes, very good. Um, but but she she is she she is great. She she is extremely athletic and she can do anything. And then on top of that, I feel like she's a a, a real student of the game. Yep. Like she pays attention to stuff and she she's she's very very good on paying attention to the little details. She gets better and better yep. every time I watch her. Uh, Zoel Lopez asks, could you share the first moment? that you spotted a Hardy Boys toy in the store the first time you were able to play it yourself in a video game. What were some of the emotions you felt? I mean, it's overwhelming. It was super humbling, you know, whenever whenever that happens. When you're first in a video game and you can play yourself, it's like, oh my God, I have made it. It is really like confirmation that you have made it. And I'll never forget the very first time we saw those WrestleMania 2000 figures, the first figures we had in a store. Uh, there were like four sets there. And I remember I grabbed them to buy them all. Like I was just so excited. Just like, it, it's, it's it's unreal to see yourself replicated in a toy. I mean, it really is like this affirmation. Like, oh my God, I have done it. I have succeeded in, in fulfilling my dream. Middle Kingdom Wrestling says, hello, Mr. Matt Hardy. You have many fans here in China, by the way. As a pioneer of cinematic matches, we would like to ask, so he's asking on behalf of China here. Okay. <laughs> with an unlimited budget and a Hollywood-level production team, could you give a synopsis of what the ultimate dream cinematic-style match you would like to have is? What setting, what kind of props and equipment, and what wrestlers? Thank you so much from China. Uh, oh, my God. In, in a perfect world, I, I, I totally know this. I would do another version of the Apocalypto match, but I would line it up with all the top talent. Because we're doing it cinematic, we could do it differently. I mean, we could we could still we could put Edge and Christian in there. We could put the Dudleys in there. Uh, we could pull out Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, put them in there, Rock and Roll Express. I would take all the greatest tag teams that are – alive and still together in this day and age and then we would start on the hardy compound but then there would be portals to different places there'd be a port <laughs> the bucks would be in it too there'd be a portal out to uh you know the bucks compound there'd be a portal to the ecw arena there'd be a portal to different places and it would be shot all over the globe uh it, it would almost be like a massive cinematic blockbuster like uh infinity wars the avengers that that's that's what i would do i love that that's yeah. awesome um, and, 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 and the diehard wrestling fans that, that only like wrestling and no entertainment and bullshit, then you would hate it. But the people who dig it, they would love it. Who would direct it? I would direct it. Okay. Well, since you're talking about all the wrestling fans, the real wrestling fans who, who, <laughs> who know that that stuff's not, not real. Uh, on that note, Matt S. wants to also know, does Matt have any behind-the-scenes stories or has he ever witnessed the Russo-Cornette rivalry in person? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, obviously they were both in management when we first started with WWE, and and you could tell they they had a little friction between them, but never anything bad. Uh, you would see like disagreements, but they were both professional, I, I guess, to to a degree. I, I know they've had big issues, and I feel like those issues have grown as time has moved on. But you know, they they are what they are. They're just kind of both stuck in a certain time period and and what worked then is is kind of what they believe should work now it's just times have changed and and it is what it is lisa wants to know which shape ring do you prefer to perform a square 
Okay. A, a four-sided ring, without a doubt. Well, let's it, talk about the difficulties yeah. because I've heard that the six. I've never been in a six-sided ring, uh-huh. but I've heard it's very hard to get your footing on the ropes, and for stuff like what you and Jeff do, that's right. critical to your matches. Yes. Uh, what other complications are there? I mean, I'll say too in in those uh, you know in the, in the rings with six sides, like the the impact rings we use. I mean, there's times where you're going to shoot a guy into the ropes, and sometimes they're confused because you know it's like such a a, a small difference of angle before you're shooting someone. I think, look, oh my god, am I going this way or am I going that way? So it's just tricky when it comes like that. It's just a lot harder to navigate as far as a, a match in there. And even like you said, the awkwardness of jumping up on the second turnbuckle where as opposed to being a 90 degree angle now, it's much wider. You know, so so th- they're awkward in that capacity. They're okay. And once you work with them some, you kind of get used to them. But but it just, it is so much easier and, and just so much simpler in a four-sided ring. With that said though, I feel like the six-sided ring was critical to giving TNA its own identity mm-hmm. at that time. And it made the product something that was, I, I, I had to check it out. Yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. And, and I think that was a smart move to have like a different look with what they were doing to try and get noticed and, and have their own identity. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Richard Brown asked, what is the craziest fan story you have? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, a, this is a pretty good one. I had met someone whenever we were doing The New Brood, and Jeff and I were very brooding, very vampirish. You know, uh, we had our hair down on our face. And I remember we did a signing, and at the signing we had this very, very brooding, very dark, very goth uh, group of girls come up. And one of the girls, I remember she said, she, she put up her hand like this, and she, she wanted me to touch her hand. And I said, oh, my God. She said, we're going to be connected forever. She said, I will make certain of it. And we had a, a P.O. box at the time, and we got tons of fan mail. So there was a package sent, and there was a picture of us where we were, like, touching our hands. And uh, she had sent this back, and she sent vials of her blood and asked me to take her blood and inject it into mine so that we would always be linked and we could feel each other and know where each other was. Um so yeah, that that was probably the craziest fan experience. And then like I remember whenever she, I saw her again later down the road. She said, "Oh my God, do, do you have my blood in you?" And I said, "I I I don't. You, you were a different type." And they said they wouldn't mesh too well. She said, "Oh my God, we'll never be connected now." And she was very upset by it. And so, that's how uh, you met Rebecca Hardy. No, it was years <laughs> after that. I had to get my shit together first. What up, Mama? Hey, Rebby, check out Twitch House Hardy. <laughs> It's the place where it's at. Uh, did she have a nice Mother's Day? Yeah, we had a very nice Mother's Day. I was very tired. I'd slept two and a half, three hours the night before, so I was running on fumes that day. So was Jeff, too, and we were trying to be the best hubbies we could possibly be. But uh, some, some nice gifts, some nice flowers, some big balloons that eventually the children destroyed, mm-hmm. and uh, a nice little dinner. It was a nice day. Is she a flowers type? Does she like to receive flowers? Eh, not so much, okay. but it, it's, you know, it's like... I. I I, I do it every year. It's okay. just kind of like, it's nice yeah, it's a nice gesture. It's, sure. it's, I try to do what I can. I, I'm not a big holiday person. And even like these celebrations, like it's so much, I get so stressed because like I, and this is probably for my dad too. Like when there's stuff during birthdays or special, I really don't give a shit about getting stuff. <laughs> I, I like have everything I want in life and yeah. like every single day to me is like a celebration, you know, but like there's so much stress put on these days. Like, oh, you have to take care of them. So I try and go above and beyond and I almost have like my standard procedure. I'm, as I've said, Matt is a creature of ritual, mad fact. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of do those things constantly and try and have a real nice dinner or something special lined up. So we had a nice day. Uh, Coach Rosie 
says, Matt Hardy, you always make me smile. I'd like to know what your go-to meals or restaurants when you were traveling in the roads back in the day were. Uh, Cracker Barrel, I assume, was one of them before Michael Hayes told you you couldn't go there because there was a bar. There wasn't <laughs> right. a bar. Uh, well, thank you, Coach. Uh, <laughs> I, I love seeing it when you post. Uh, I appreciate your support of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I know you check us out every single week, and we greatly appreciate that. I would say our biggest stops back in the day were Cracker Barrel. That is where we would mainly eat. It was very happy, and just everybody liked the vibe of that. Very... Not, it was a very happy place, but it was also we could eat there very healthy. There's like grilled chicken tenderloins and salad and vegetables. You can also eat very unhealthy. At you, you, you can you choose to. You can. That's that's <laughs> correct. And then uh, it was a big deal back then. I don't, I don't know if it's even around as much, but Bob Evans was like our jam. Barely, yeah. I, well, Bob yeah. Evans was like a, a big jam for breakfast, and they they I feel like they were really prevalent at that time. They were everywhere. We loved going to Bob Evans for breakfast too. There's one on the way to Philly that's always uh, by that southeast area of Jersey. That That's like the only Bob Evans I've ever yeah. seen in my life. And I know they were more prevalent yep. back in the day. I, w- I would probably say for breakfast, it was Bob Evans. For lunch, it was Cracker Barrel. And for dinner, it would be Outback. That would that was pretty much uh, our, our main stops. Where and did that, Waffle House That was for the majority of the people. Uh, I mean, when you were in the South and it was late, nobody's afraid to go to the Waffle House as a pro wrestler. The, the Waffle House is all right. I'm down with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alicia, big fan of the podcast, asks, which amusement park did you enjoy as a kid and as an adult, and why? Well, as a kid, uh, once we were big enough and able to go to theme parks, I would say Carowinds, which okay. is right, yep. on the, right on the border of North Carolina, South Carolina, right outside of Charlotte. And then uh, as we got older and especially traveled more, I'd probably say Universal. Big fan of Universal down in Orlando. Have you done a Disney trip with the kids yet? We have. We we have had done one in the past, and we actually had one scheduled when I was down there working during the pandemic, right after they kind of first opened back up, which was which was very weird. But I'm excited for them to to go back now that you know, like we don't have to wear masks and there's not so many restrictions, and you can yeah. be a little more normal. Once your littlest one gets of that princess age, that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. She's going to enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Michael wants to know, if someone were to ask you, what match or feud should I check out of yours as an intro match or feud to your work, what would you recommend to them? Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, I feel like there's been a... Obviously, I've had a lot of different characters and a lot of different personas. I would say uh, the first thing to check out is probably the Terry Invitational Tournament, which uh, leads to myself and Jeff having this program with Edge and Christian and the tag team ladder match, which then kind of carries into the tag team table match and then the whole TLC era and all those matches. I would say watch that, you know, watch that whole program develop over the over the years. And then I would say as a singles guy, you kind of it's a different version of me, but uh, Matt Hardy and MVP whenever we do our whole rivalry about, you know, who's better than who. And then the last thing I would say is go back to when Jeff broke his leg and we had to relinquish the tag team titles. We've done a whole series with this. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the Becoming Broken series, which ultimately leads to me becoming World Heavyweight Champion uh, and then uh, losing it and then wanting it, wanting to win it so bad, becoming so obsessed with it that I actually turned bad into Big Money Matt. Uh, for the first time on a uh, super big stage, I guess, uh, on, on a bigger stage, and we win the title, and that leads to Broken Matt Hardy and all of the, the Broken Universe stuff, which is a lot of madness, but it is a lot of high-quality entertainment in that madness. I saw the Doctor Strange movie this past week. Oh, yeah? The Multiverse of Madness there. And 
How do I, how'd you, how'd you feel about Matt Hardy it? was going through my head during that movie, but how'd I like it? Um, uh, definitely a lot of Mick Foley cheap pops in it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Um, as a narrative, I had some issues with it, but I don't want to spoil stuff. Okay. So yeah, let's not spoil. So, uh, Ron asks during the episodes of the Hardy Show, Matt and Jeff introduced two episodes of Matt versus Jeff, and both were shot at the Hardy Compound. Mm-hmm. Did the Hardy Show experience? or he's trying to say, was the Hardy Show experience in your mind while you were working in the broken character? It, some of it was. I, I definitely feel like, uh, and I I'd saw, I think they'd asked this question before, uh, did the Matt vs. Jeff fights have any influence on like the final deletion and the, the Hardy compound deletion fights? And it definitely did. I, I felt like it was the original blueprint or outline for for all of those things so yeah th- there was definitely some hardy show influence on the broken universe without a shadow of a doubt let's get a couple more here before we wrap things up uh maddie p winner of this all beautiful right. championship here says when house hardy gets older will they be given the reins to omega and will the compound become their heart dungeon uh yeah i mean i, I think it'll be their hardy dungeon but they're they're gonna get everything you know i'm gonna turn it over to them and just uh and, and let them go wild I, i'm just gonna be the wheel man I'll be Fritz von Eric, and they'll be my kids. Maybe I'll push them too hard, uh, but but yeah, I I look forward to uh, to the to the Hardy Dynasty, you know, and these Hardy kids uh, taking over the Hardy compound. Have we seen the last Omega show with Hardys on them? I, I don't think so. I, I I'm sure you'll see that again at some point. I, I mean, it, it might be a while right now. I mean, like I said, every single second of my day is accounted for. So of course, I don't have time to actually promote an entire show by myself. But I think one day we will. Try to get three more here. Uh, Mike asks, after your feud with Edge ended in 2005, were you disappointed that you weren't given an opportunity to stay at the top of the card? No, I mean, it would have been nice because I was really over, but I I knew already. I I knew how the game worked at that time. I knew because I had to, I I kind of forced their hand and they had to re-sign me and they had to re-sign me with a raise to stop me from going somewhere else. So not only uh, did I get released earlier, because they were upset with me, or, or I was the I was the one that was the easiest to get rid of, you know. Then they had to hire me back, and they had to pay me more money, and and I got over on my, on my own. <laughs> so I, I knew at some point they were going to make me pay for that. So I, I I did not expect it. So it's all right. I just want to come back. I wanted to uh, get back to to doing what I love and trying to do it on the highest level, and then make the most out of it. And it's just. I knew at WWE, I could have went to TNA at that time. Obviously, I was very hot. I got more money. And and the big scheme of things is like you have to go where the, the most money exists because you can't forget it's not show friends, it's show business. And we have to make as much money as we can. you know. So obviously, at that time, I chose WWE because I was going to be getting a, a, a great salary and I was getting a, a pay bump. So I went back and I knew at some point they, they would get me, but I knew I could survive and, and maintain and get through that and then be okay. And, and I did. And those ended up being some of the best money years of my career. You know, even now, like, that's why I chose AAW over WWE. It's just a, a, a better place to make more money. And here also, on top of making more money than I could at WWE, I also get to do third-party stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm going to have one of the biggest years ever that I've ever had in my career oh. this year, which is so cool. And all those Peacock residuals, too. Oh, boy. Those Peacock uh, residuals have been deleted! <laughs> Richie says, I was a big fan of the storyline you had with MVP and thought you guys were the highlight of SmackDown during that time period. Was it always meant to be a long-term story? And who came up with the plan of you guys becoming tag team partners? Don't go too deep here because we yeah, do yeah, have yeah, an episode yep, planned yep. on this later this year. But give us a little cliff notes. Yeah. Um, no, it was not. They, they did not initially plan on that being a long-term story. Uh, basically, what happened is 
they were digging our feud with the U.S. title, and they were looking for ways to extend it. And I said, you know, MVP's this over-the-top, cocky, arrogant hill. Like, what if he tries to, to lure me into being a tag team with him? And if we happen to win the tag titles, and that keeps my mind off going after the U.S. title. And that'd be a good way to continue the story, and that's how that came to be. Two more here. John Rousen says, who's the one person that in their prime you would have faced when you were in your prime? So I guess if you had the choice of mm-hmm. Matt Hardy's prime versus their prime, who would that person be? Oh, man. Uh, you, you know who I'm going to say here. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. He would be the guy that I would have loved to have a match with because he was my first favorite wrestler of all time. And I'm, I'm all about Macho Man. Would you have put the Macho Man over? Of course. Okay. Strong. Strong. I would, I'd let him hit me with a flying elbow drop off the top and I would have laid in the ring until all the fans were gone. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? Matt Hardy is a selfless businessman. He knows how to do the job. He's done the job plenty of times in his career. Um, and last- we got beat by everybody. <laughs> our last question comes from Jose the Assistant. He says, will you finally admit that Jose the Assistant is your favorite assistant of all time? No, Jose, you're not. You're. I mean, saying you're my favorite anything is like saying... You're my favorite pain in the ass. I mean, you, you are not my favorite. You are, you are the worst. You are the worst pain in my ass. You are the worst assistant. You are one of the, the, the worst people to do business with. And uh, I, ju- I just can't wait until the day Andrade realizes that and drops you on your ass. Yeah, it's remarkable. When we first talked about Jose on this podcast, you were very complimentary of him. Well, he was all right, but but I learned he was putting on a front. Mm. He, he's a very fake, a very shallow, very fake person. It's a DTA. Don't ever trust nobody, especially he, if your name is Jose Garcia. He also gets in like feuds with our Twitter account. It's very weird. He's arguing with a Twitter account. Like, I don't even think there's a person that runs that account. He's a psychopath. Jeez, man. Hey, this is a lot of fun. We got so many Ask Matt questions. I'm going to hold on to some of these for the next time we do Ask Matt because we got another coming later this uh, summer, I believe. Uh, but next month, next week, rather, not next month, next week, we're going big. We're going we are, woken. Yeah. Yes, woken. But we'll just pretend it was broken. <laughs> Give us a little preview. What can we expect with that one? Well, you know, broken Matt Hardy was kind of like the Transformer. It was like the ultimate model inversion and woken matt hardy was kind of like a gobot you know we just kind of we kind of narrowed it down a little bit where the transformer where it would be uh down like a car and you stand it up and it turns into a robot so it was a little more simplistic uh but but i was still very honored that i got the opportunity to do broken slash woken matt hardy at WWE on the the biggest platform possible and and get the ultimate deletion in which i'm still very thrilled that Vince McMahon allowed me to do that and have that opportunity so it's it's going to be a lot of fun there are a lot of amazing details behind the scenes and uh uh, fun insights into the whole Woken Mallory character. And you're going to hear some Bray Wyatt stories you've probably never heard before. So. Major Bray Wyatt stories you've never heard, yes. So it's going to be a good one. Check that out next week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Anything else you'd like to add, my friend? We're good. I just thank you guys so much for supporting us week in and week out. And uh, our podcast is growing every single week. Thank you so much for supporting The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy and uh, allowing us to do this because both John and I love it. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next time. <laughs>